Well, good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at a couple of our business tips from the Harvard Business Review. We're also going to talk with Christina Sikiatis from Ideation at Work about some innovation products. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants. Have a view from the tax office. Good afternoon, Tony. Hello, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yourself? It's good. I've been lying on Arkansas grass, apparently. Have you? Have you? <laughs> I had a, we had a grass. different name for it when we went to university. <laughs> must, be the, must be the current euphemism for it. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> so, so we spoke last time, I think, it was about the... Uh, the uh, depreciation t- being tied up with mine, the mining resources tax, and of course the mining resources tax was passed this week. What yes. is the impact on small business? Okay, finally we have some certainty. It was up in the air since the budget, and uh, a little bit of politics going backwards and forwards with this. Clive Palmer was uh, quite um, adamant that he wanted some amendments and some changes through it, which is it was a very interesting exercise to look at objectively on the uh, on the sidelines. He had a obviously a vested interest in getting the mining tax repealed, but he was quite upset with the Liberal government trying to get rid of some of the measures that they were trying to get rid of that really affected a lot of people at the, in the low um, income bracket. We're talking people who earn less than $37,000 a year, mm-hmm. and it was seen to be very, very mean-spirited, and um, but the Liberal government argument was, well, the mining resources tax was supposed to have paid for all of these things, um, so, you know, if we get rid of the mining tax, we've got to get rid of these other measures as well. But, I mean, I think my argument is that the government have a pretty big bucket to play with. They could have actually found the money from somewhere from else. Somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. So where we are now is that the mining tax has been repealed. So with it, what has gone is that if you run a business and your turnover is less than $2 million a year, um, your ability to write off assets um, has been diminished. So we had a situation where you could have received a, a write-off for any asset that cost up to $6,500. That is now very, very clearly $1,000, and it's backdated to the 1st of January this year. That's been around for a long, long time, hasn't it, that $1,000? Well, it was, yeah. It was 1000 and then there was a couple of budgets ago that they, they mooted that it was going to go up to 5000 By the time they actually got it into law, they changed their mind again, and they, they actually just went straight to 6500 So mm. that was in for about, oh, I think, think about 18 months. It only yeah. lasted about 18 months. Um, and um, and now all of a sudden we're, we're back to the future, so we've gone back to, to yeah. 1000 The company rollback provisions also has gone with it, so what that basically means is if you've made a loss in the June 14 year, and based on a lot of current trading conditions, a lot of companies nice. made losses in the June 14 year, but you made a profit in the June 13 year, what you were, were able to do is roll the loss back from the 14 year back to the 13 year and actually get some of that tax back. That is now completely gone, um, gone as well. Mm. So what, what Clive Palmer was able to do in his party, of course, was um, he's able, he was able to negotiate to get the super uh, guarantee rate um, set at 9.5% right up until the year um, 2021. Mm. So we've got that for about five, six years. Um, he was able to delay the repeal date for the low-income um, super contribution um, to the June 2018 year. He was able to push back the income, scrapping the income support bonus to December 2016, and he was also able to push back the repeal date for the school kids bonus to December 16 as well. So all those measures the Libs try to get rid of right now, so he was able to get them pushed back to... Um, yeah, to keep them for a little bit longer to look after people in the low income bracket. Mm. And and you said now the uh, the tax office is focusing on rental property deductions. Yeah, look, this 
goes in cycles and it's just a cycle where they're, they're looking at rental property deductions. Again, this was announced a couple of weeks ago. So what they're finding is, you know, people are preparing their own returns or even some agents who don't know what they're doing. are prepared, They're looking at returns um, where rental property owners are claiming deductions for for properties that are not genuinely available um, for rent. So, you know, for, to, to fear to be able to claim deductions for rental properties, they have to be genuinely out there, you know, actively um, looking rented. for... For a tenant, and there, look, there are some exceptions. There's some really funny ones where you're doing a major renovation, and you can't rent the property out, or, or it's burnt down, and things like that. But you just, it has to be available for rent. You can't just have a property just sitting there and, and um, nobody and, in it, and, and nobody in it, sort of thing. Um, yeah, even with house sitters and all that sort of stuff. Um, the big one is that they um, people incorrectly claiming deductions uh, for holiday homes. So let's say you, you know you've got a holiday home and it's rented out for most of the year, but then you go in there and spend four six weeks in it yourself. Um, they want to make sure that you you know apportion all the deductions so you're not yeah. claiming it for the full year. Um, a big one which is always cr- uh, comes up is people trying to claim um, completely remodelling um, you know improvements. Uh, to say bathrooms or you know capital works deductions, trying to get those through as repairs and maintenance, you know new roofs and fences and all that sort of stuff. The, the rules can get quite complicated as that, so they, they've got issues with people trying to claim a lot mm. of things as repairs and maintenance. And also the big one too is uh, interest deductions, where you've got and this this happens. I must admit, I get a little bit upset with some of the finance brokers who go and they go and grab the home loan and the rental property loan, and they go and put it all into you know just the one facility, and then we've got to start apportioning deductions between the part that's private mm-hmm. and the part that applies to the uh, to the rental property. So mm-hmm. there's um, again, they're looking at um, the interest deductions claimed on loans if there's a private component to that. I believe they also, they also announced this week or last week they're going to focus on the cash businesses again too. Yeah, that, that's another one. Cafes, and it, it, look again, it goes in cycles. So they've got their benchmarking rules, so they know that. And again, like you know, cafes, anything to do with food, you know, there, there's gross profit rates that they uh, that they know, you know, that people should be declaring. And if you come in under that, then obviously they'll ask the question and they make the assertion that uh, you might not be declaring all your cash sales. Mm. And some of those uh, benchmarks are available on the tax website, aren't they? Yeah, they are, and they they actually took them down at one point because yeah. they realised that some of them were out of date and some of them were wrong. But they are now um, up there. So, and there's all sorts of things from, you know, the per kilometre amount that taxi drivers need to to declare, um, to you know, all sorts of labour hire um, rates and ratios. So they they know that there's you know there's literally tens of thousands of people in any industry that that lodge tax returns. So they they can. Um, they can put their benchmarking rules across the whole lot and get an idea of, of what the what the return should look like. Now, what, what happens to these people who are hiding a bit of money overseas in offshore ah. accounts? Now, Paul Pogan got caught out on Project Wickenby um, when they were trying to get him to... Uh, they are actually trying to trying to classify him as a resident of Australia so that they could catch all of his worldwide-sourced income. And uh, and I think if you might remember on television of him walking to the to the airport ceremoniously telling the tax office to uh, pretty much get, get lost. Yes. Um, but in that process, they actually found he had a couple of bank accounts over in some uh, some tax havens to which he dismissed it and said, oh, look, that's just a little bit of my mad money. Now, uh, whether you've got some mad money overseas, the tax office have come out with a project, and someone does have a sense of humour in there, Julian. They've called the project Do It, and it stands for Declare Offshore Income Safe. <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite cute. Now, they're giving taxpayers with money overseas, and this is assets as well as, you know, you might have real estate over there as well, uh, as well as bank accounts. They're giving people the chance up until the 19th of December this year 
to declare it or um, avoid steep penalties. Now, the penalties that they're, or the concession that they're actually giving people is that they're only going to go back four years. Um, if you don't declare it and they find you, they're going to go back as many years as if you ha you've had that bank account. Um, they're going to limit the tax shortfall penalty to 10%. If they find you, the penalty will be 90%. Wow. 90% okay. of the tax avoided each year. So there, there's a real incentive now to come forward. And, and all I've got to say about this is this. The tax office in Australia here are cooperating with just about every jurisdiction all over the world. And uh, if you remember on this program, we've spoke, spoken about it before, depending on the report you read, they spent anywhere between $750 million and $800 million on a new computer system a couple of years ago. Yes. They will find these bank accounts. Yeah. They will find these assets. There's a lot of cooperation going on. And uh, I, if you have overseas bank accounts, I would... Uh, in fact, there's, there's an interesting story that came out. There's been apparently, I heard this on Friday... There's been about 100 submissions that have already been made to the tax office about this, and apparently 54 of them came from the one firm in Melbourne. Okay. <laughs> so they had a lot of overseas people who were uh, who were hiding assets. So, yeah, if you've got stuff over there, do so. um, make sure you do get it. the right advice and, and do it. Do it. Thanks very much for your time again, Tony. We'll have a chat with you again next month. Always a pleasure. Thank See you. Bye-bye. Tony Vidre there from AV Chartered Accountants. Just a few little things that are happening in the tax world. You're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's coming up to 26 minutes past one. Time to pop over to Christina Sikiotis for our Minute on Innovation. Good afternoon, Christina. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I believe we're going to talk about innovation doesn't have to be complicated. It can be simple. No, it doesn't, and we've said that quite a few times, but I thought we might as well give a couple of examples, and I've come across a couple that, are, that I thought were, were fantastic in conversations um, over the last couple of weeks. And one of them, the design actually came out of Germany, um, and the story goes that, that the designer of the furniture turned around and said to his colleague, let's sit on it, referring to um, a bundle of magazines that were there. Anyway, it got their, got their minds ticking over because, as you and I both know, there's some magazines you just don't want to throw out or you, you don't want to give away. You just need to keep them for whatever reasons. Um, so they came up with a basic design where there's a, there's a base level and they've got these really um, quite attractive leather straps that can come up, birchwood, birchwood base. It's a birchwood um, wooden base strapped with a leather um, belt topped with a really comfortable upholstered cushion and you can make it um, as tall or as low as you like by stacking your favourite magazines there. So there's a, a storage component to it and also a very functional component to it and I thought it was a really oh. good example of innovation made simple yeah, uh, yeah. and not, not being that hovercraft. Mm. Um, and then there was another one, another really great little idea um, and with everything becoming more environmentally sensitive and we're wanting to get away from cars and clogging up, um, clogging up roadways, etc., there's a, a really cool little invention um, and it's called the never-ending cycle. And what it is is a basic loop, almost a, um, an oval, that hooks around and locks into any kind of pole uh, and, and you can lock your bike onto it. Now, 
there's a few little, you know, there's a few places where we can lock bikes and things um, in the city, et cetera, et cetera. But these things are made, they can go on any pole, wherever wherever there is a pole, wherever a pole exists. And the beauty of it is they're all in fluoro colours. So mm. not only is it functional, but it's really attractive at the same time. Um, so, and it's a company called Street Smarts, and, and the, the invention itself is called Cycle Park. So it's a really basic, easy idea um, that saves a lot of people a lot of trouble. So a simple solution to a sim- uh, sometimes complex problems. Yeah, uh, that's right. And wouldn't uh, it be lovely to, to go down go down the, the centre of, of any Newcastle. street in any major city and see these beautifully coloured fluoro things? Right. All right. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Christine. Let's uh, see if we can find a couple more of those examples for next week. I'll have some ready for you, Julian. Have Thank a great you. week. Bye-bye. Bye. Christine Sikiotis there from Ideation at Works. What a simple idea, isn't it? Sit on the magazines? Well, well, we've got time for one of our uh, business tips here from the Harvard Business Review, and I thought this was a very interesting one. Recognise when you're being passive-aggressive. Passive when was the last time you didn't share your honest opinion when asked? Or the last time you got upset with someone and didn't let the person know why? Or maybe you procrastinated on an, on a, an assignment because you didn't see the value in it. It's hard to recognise our own passive-aggressive behaviour, but if we don't confront it, it breeds mistrust and erodes our credibility. First, identify what drives you to be passive-aggressive. Understanding the underlying cause, maybe a fear of failure or rejection or conflict, allows you to address it head-on. Then be honest with yourself and what you really want. What do you truly think or really want to say? What outcome are you hoping for? Think about how to express these desires in direct, respectful way. And finally, get input from others to see if you're improving. So we all tend to do that from time to time, don't say what we're thinking, don't we? Very interesting comments there. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at the effect now of the mining tax, resources tax being passed and uh, particularly the effect on uh, um, the depreciation on small businesses there. And uh, also, if you've got a rental property, make sure you're looking at your deductions correctly and some little simple innovation ideas. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll look at inductions with Craig McGregor from the Hunter Recruitment Group. We'll have that minute on innovation with Christina Sikiatis and we'll look at some more business and legal news and views that may affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Benjamin Franklin once said, never confuse motion with action.